Welcome back to the mustiest basement in all of Michigan. <laughs> I hate when we're sitting like this. I well, usually when we sit like this, though, that means we're doing a Skype interview. Ooh, yes, yeah. So much, yes. Yeah. We are. Uh, we're going to get to the interview portion. Obviously, we're going to have return guest a return guest. Uh, Keith Giles is back on the on the podcast to talk about his new book. Jason, what's it called? Jesus Unbound: Liberating the Word of God from the Bible. Boom. This one's going to be a doozy, I think. I think this one's going to be kind of playing into some nuances and some some kind of church talk that we've you've always heard, but it may not be right. I think it's big. This is big for me. This is blowing my mind. Well, so we're going to get into the more yeah. in the interview. So let's talk about us, though. Yeah. Before we talk about Keith and what he's doing, let's talk about we. Can so, I share something? Yeah. Dude, I had the best weekend of my entire life. The best. The best. Better than your wedding weekend. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Jess, well, I'm I, sorry. I spent this weekend with my wife and her roller derby team. I'm sorry, Jess. Up in the great Marquette, Michigan. We traveled six hours north in our own state because we can do that along with people in Texas and California and a lot of other big states. Yeah, yes. It's but great. in the great up north, dude, it was so incredibly beautiful up there. It is. I mean, we, we did the Airbnb thing. We had like 15 people and a three-bedroom house, which was awesome. We went up there because she had a roller derby boat. Right. Um, and also there's Beer Fest. So we, we hung around for the weekend. But this Airbnb was on 12 acres with its own sand dune directly across the street from miles of perfect sandy, empty Lake Superior beach that we had campfires on every night and just watched the stars. I saw so many shooting stars. Let me tell you, like, (laughs) outer space is brilliant. (laughs) One might say that declares the glories of the the Father. Uh, Yeah. That's Psalms. It's in Psalms. It was insane. Bible nerd. And I also got to meet one of our listeners, Phil Britton. Boom. Hi, met, Phil. Met up with him and his wife for lunch. Had some great conversations. Did he? What did he say about me? He doesn't like you. That's fine. I'm just kidding. That's fine. <laughs> There's a lot of people who don't like me. And it's great. Because I'll show them when I'm in heaven. Oh. Boom! <laughs> uh. How was your weekend? Uh, it was, uh, it was great. I Do you work? Let work. me go to work, 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 work. What? Is that Rihanna? I don't know what it is. It comes on at Planet Fitness. It's probably Rihanna. Time. I think it's Rihanna. And wow, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's the only part I can remember. Okay. Uh, I saw Crazy Rich Asians. That's what I did this week. <laughs> what is that? It's a movie. Get this. About crazy rich asians okay everybody in the movie's asian yeah except for one of the flight attendants was not asian in the movie they also crazy and rich no it's kind of more like they're so rich it's crazy that's the idea it's well there's a little bit anyway documentary or a movie or i've I've never even heard of it i don't don't even it's no it's like a book that they turned into a movie it was like supposed to be kind of like a rom-com and that's what shauna and i did for our date night we went to uh jimmy johns and lapeer nice and got subs yeah freaky fast ate them in our minivan freaky fast and then we went out to the movies because sometimes ladies and gentlemen you gotta take your date nights when you can get them yeah 
And this one, we didn't have a lot of time, so we got Jimmy John's, yep. and then we saw a movie about <laughs> crazy rich Asians, which was kind of meh. Meh. Yeah, there was a couple funny parts, but then it was just kind of like, yeah, I could have I red boxed this yeah. and saved myself $13. Was there anything else playing at all? I don't uh, think there's anything I wanted to out. see the Christopher Robin movie. I'm not, I'm so I'm so there's a movie about Christopher Robin. There's like this weird phenomena because I was listening to a radio station talking about it, and there was like, it's actually making a bunch of grown men cry because it's kind of like it's kind of like the Toy Story three effect, where at the end of Toy Story three, when Andy gives up his toys, it's like you're watching you yourself are putting yourself in the position of Andy and you're watching your toys go to somebody else. And it's like, you're watching your childhood go away. So that's what people are saying. It's kind of like the equivalent to, and I don't, I you said Christopher Robin and I was thinking it was some sort of Robin Hood. (laughs) It's Robin Hood men in tights too. My goodness, Jason. We're men in tights. Tights. <laughs> but anyway, Jason, so your weekend was awesome. Mine was awesome in the fact that my wife and I got to go away and see a yep. mediocre movie. But we are going to dive in to this very, very awesome interview yeah, very let me just soon. say that I don't think I know anybody with more zeal and more passion than Keith Giles has for Jesus and cutting out all the bull crap and just getting straight to Jesus. And sometimes the bull crap is the word of God, is the Bible. Ah, it's shaky. It's it's so shaky. I am so excited to get into this interview. This is like a Jenga episode. One one brick gets taken away, and it all comes down. But I'm I'm serious. No, but I don't know anybody who loves Jesus more, is more passionate about the person of Jesus and their Bible, but yet is making some. I mean, these are it's pretty bold. Yeah. At least in my So let's jump into this one, Jason. Two guys who couldn't make it as pastors talking about a guy who loves Jesus so much that he hates the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, Keith. Let's let him talk because he'll probably say it a lot better than I could. This is Not Your Pastor's Jesus Unbound All right, we are here with Keith Giles. How you doing, Keith? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for bringing me back on. Yeah, yeah, second time. Return guest. Uh, yes, that's God. always a, you know, when you go into a podcast, that's exciting. But when you get invited to come back, that feels really special. Yeah, I think you and I both agreed that out of a lot of the guests that we've had on, you, Keith, and Jesus Untangled, taught us a ton <laughs> wow well thank you thank yeah you so i think much. i think for that that conversation that we had two years ago oh my gosh uh really kind of started the trajectory of me kind of thinking more about the fact that the united states isn't my home <laughs> like yeah and yeah it's a nice place to live but heaven is a oh, lot yeah. better and so like kind of really kind of <laughs> di- divorcing that idea of like that proud American type of mentality and thinking more about like, okay, well, what about the kingdom? Cause the kingdom is significantly better. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that's, and you know what? Thank you for saying that too, because that, that of course was the exact 
response that I was hoping for, for, for people that read the book. And I'm just, I, I feels like more people need to read that book or at least have that same epiphany because we're, I feel like the church is, is probably even more in some ways more entangled now than it was, you know, yeah, two doubling, years ago. Oh, doubling definitely. Down. Yeah. Anyway, so, but we, we already talked about Jesus untangled. We're going to, we're here today to talk about Jesus unbound. So, in maybe like what in a quick synopsis, one sentence synopsis, what is this book about, Keith? Um, okay, boy, what a challenge. <clears throat> so I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think essentially the book is basically about the subtitle kind of explains it, liberating the Word of God from the Bible, and so it's trying to help people really have a, a correct understanding. Uh, of our relationship to Jesus, and and that what I've seen is sometimes the Bible gets in the way of that, which seems like not possible, and yet I have observed it, and so, um, and, and certainly the pushback I've gotten from people, you know, about the book reveals that I was right about that, that for some people they do have a hard time, um, in other words, like, they, I think they have, some Christians have a, a very deep, rich relationship with a book, that they should have uh, that kind of relationship with a person, with Jesus. And um, so anyway, that wasn't as short as you wanted, but that's essentially what the book is about. No, no I'm this happy. I'm good. I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people in probably the traditional Protestant church setting would find this book offensive, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Um, you're right, but I, but I think most of the people who find it offensive are offended because of what they think it says. In other words, they haven't read it yet. Yeah. And I, I honestly think even if those people who are probably, you know, biblicists or something, um, I think even those people, if they would read it, I think at the end of the book, they would realize it isn't what they think it is. Because really what I'm doing, uh, you know, a lot of times they get accused of having a low view of Scripture, and that is not the case. In fact, the very first chapter of my book is how much I love the Bible. Oh, yeah, the, you pinpoint it. Yeah, the point is, it's not, I'm not putting down the Bible. I'm elevating Christ above the Bible, which, by the way, the Bible does. Uh, the Bible doesn't point to the Bible. The Bible, the Scriptures never point us back to the Scriptures. The, the Scriptures point us always to Christ, and that's all I'm trying to do. Before we continue, Keith, what's your cat's name? <laughs> uh, yeah. The world wants to know. My cat's name is Tiger. Um, yes, and he Classic. is right now. He is right now, and that's he's he's that's the way. By the way, the worst name. He is the most terrified, timid. Uh, <laughs> he has no courage at all. Uh, uh, he should not be called Tiger. Well, I had a cat when I was a child whose its name was Tiger Lily. So maybe that's more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for, for him that is a better that is a better name. Uh, Way to derail yeah, the conversation. No, I didn't mean to. I'm usually the okay. guy that does that. Back back on the tracks. So okay. I was I'm so excited about your book, Keith, that I was just having a conversation with my dad over lunch about your book and he went onto Amazon and bought one right away. He's so excited to oh, really? to read it. Yeah, just just based on our on our on our conversation. Oh, and, that's amazing. Uh, what, what blows my mind. So I'm reading your book. I'm even, I'm trying to explain it to my wife. I'm trying to explain it to Alex because it's, 
I, I find like this topic is really nuanced. Yeah. And at the same time, it's extremely important. So I was trying to figure out like, how can I communicate this? And it just so happened that at our church right now, we're, we're going through, um, I think the sermon series is, is the majors. It's like the 10 major things we believe because our church receives a lot of people from different denominations and um, you know, they're always asking, what do you believe? And we, we don't really call it out on our website, you know? Um, so just lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds coming through the door. So what are our majors? And today's major was the word of God. And throughout the entire sermon, every time our pastor said word of God in reference to the Bible, he's talking about the Bible. I replaced it with Jesus. Yep. And he had the most impactful sermon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that's what was communicated, but I think that's, that's the nuance that I'm talking about that made that sermon come to life for me and really not putting the Bible uh, on the pillar or the Bible on the pedestal, but putting Jesus on the pedestal. Yes. Yes, absolutely, man. And you know what? That is a wonderful exercise. In fact, I wish more Christians would do exactly that. And that every time, everything that they would want to say about the Bible, if they would instead say it about Jesus, um, that's what I want people to get. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there's a part in the book where I say something like, you know, um, the word of God loves you. The Bible doesn't. The Bible can't love anything. Yeah. The word of God, the word of God died for you. The, 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 the Bible can't die for anyone. It's not alive. Like you could just like go down the list and say all these things that are true about Christ and he's alive and he loves you and he's a person and you can relate to him and you can, ha- you can have an experience with him. And the frustrating thing for me is that so often, like I hear phrases all the time, like, just like you're saying, man, like um, the Bible. In fact, there's a guy that tweeted this just a couple weeks ago, a, a guy I follow on Twitter. He tweeted this whole thing about the Bible will change your life. The Bible will transform you. The Bible will make you closer to God. The Bible. And I, and I just retweeted back to him and said, replaced Bible with Jesus. <laughs> and it's like, because Jesus will do those things. The Bible won't do those things. Now, if you read the Bible and you have an experience, what we what you need to understand is that the book didn't do that. The Spirit of God did that. Yes. Um, yeah. And so we're giving credit and glory. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you wouldn't do that with anything else, right? If if a person in your life uh, was instrumental in, in your life in some way, and you could see that the Spirit of God used them in some way, you wouldn't praise them, right? In fact, if you did and they received it, you would think, well, that's wrong. Yeah. Because they're taking credit for something that belongs to God. But so we wouldn't let a person do that, but but yet we we freely do that with a book. Um, and it just it, it isn't just something that annoys me. It's actually something that I think is because in some ways you could say, what's the big deal? Right? Yeah. Well, I think the big I think the big deal is that the 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 Bible is a roadmap to a it's it's pointing you somewhere. And it wants to send you to an experience, right? And if all you do is look at the pictures and look at the map and then fold it up and put it back in your pocket and you don't actually go where it's pointing and experience what it's, what it's leading you to, then you've, you've missed the whole point, you know? And, 
And really, like another friend of mine says, the Bible is like a menu. And many people open the menu and they look at all this wonderful food and then they close it. And they never yeah. order the food and eat it and enjoy it, right? And and Christ is the meal that the Bible, which is the menu, is 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 uh, pointing you to. But the intention is for you to go take that final step and actually experience Jesus, actually know him and and have a relationship with him and not with a book. It's funny. So maybe it's Providence is the reason why we're having this conversation and what it, so I was upstairs before Jason got here. I was putting my daughter to bed. And most nights we read through the Jesus Storybook Bible. Mm. Have, have you ever read that one, Keith? you know about that? <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe not. It's it's for little kids. It's for little kids, like toddlers. Yeah, and, okay. and it just takes it takes all the Old Testament stories and New Testament, but it 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 communicates the gospel in each. I think better better than a lot of books do. I feel okay, it yeah. is. I will not read my daughter to my daughter any other age appropriate Bibles. For <laughs> like, I will only read her like so. You know, we got a bunch of them when my daughter was born. And I've read a couple of them, and I'm like, these are just, it's all just namby-pamby. But then when I open up the Jesus Storybook Bible, it's every, the, the the subtitle to it is Every Story Whispers His Name. Oh, wow. And so it's funny because the, the first part of, the first chapter in that book is talking about what is the Bible or the this little book that you're holding about. And, it's, and it starts off by saying it's not a book of rules. It's not a book oh. of telling kids what you should or shouldn't do it's not a book of heroes for you to try and emulate it is a book that shows you this wonderful rescuer who came into the world who loves you and it's 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 Mm. it is the best it's kind of one of those books that as an adult i think we should sometimes pick up and read because it it kind of goes through all the bull crap and it just explains it in very simple terms (laughs) it does for like a two or three year old like my daughter is like the other day I was reading it to her and it was the the story of Jesus in the garden praying right before he gets crucified. And it doesn't shy away from anything. Like it actually oh, wow. goes through the crucifixion and shows Jesus on the cross dying. Mm. And I was like tearing up, just cry, mm. like crying, like trying to hold back the tears as I'm reading <laughs> Jesus praying to his father in the way the the author tries to kind of make it so like a three-year-old can understand it. In those bubble letters and precious moments illustrations. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't have those. (laughs) But but anyway, I just think it's funny that that's like, it starts like, I just got done reading that first chapter to her and now we're sitting down here talking about this very thing. I think that's genius. I think that's beautiful. See, and that, that, that gives me hope, man. That gives me so much hope because... Uh, I I feel like there's so much um, baggage in in a lot of the Christian church where we have reinforced this idea that it's about a book and it is about rules and it is about the Ten Commandments and it is about purity, you know, purity culture and all these things it's not really meant to be about, that it's, it's meant to be about a relationship and a connection with God through Jesus, through Christ. And so to know that there's, there's a book out there for, a, for the next generation that's communicating these simple, beautiful truths that that gives me so much hope because we have to get it. You know what I mean? Like that is so important for me. I've had to unlearn these things. I've had to back out of some things and sort of learn new things again or relearn things. So yeah, that's really good. I I think, I think the, the thing that I've noticed too, and this is what's getting me a lot of, uh, in a lot of trouble 
Yeah, um, let's get into the dirt. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Well, I mean, okay, so this book, Jesus Unbound, honestly is sort of an expansion, I think, of like chapter two from Jesus Untangled. And like chapter two of Jesus Untangled uh, was all about the thing about reading the Bible through the lens of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I talked about the flat Bible versus the Jesus-centered yes, Bible. Yep. And, um, and so really, uh, it was sort of like, let's do a whole book on what it is to read Scripture through the lens of Christ. Uh, and to not have this flat Bible perspective. And so what I keep seeing over and over again as well is Christians talking about how much they we want to we want to live biblically or is that biblical or I want a more biblical world or we need a more biblical culture or we need a biblical whatever na- uh, nation or if school. If we could just get back to the Bible, Keith. Yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. And and I want to say, look, no, I don't want a biblical world. I want a more Christ-like world. And and the thing is, is that we have to recognize those things are those two things are different. They're those things are not the same. Uh, and again, this is where I get in trouble because some people are like, oh, how dare you say that? Well, but but here's the thing, like just very simply, you can use the Bible if you're if you're going to live biblically, and you're and you're and the Bible is your guide. Well, then you could have a biblical world that's full of genocide and slavery and patriarchy and polygamy and, I mean, a whole, a whole bunch of things, right, that are really, really bad. Uh, but that you can use the Bible, and not only can you use the Bible to justify those kinds of things, all throughout history the Bible has been used to justify yeah. genocide, war, slavery, patriarchy, polygamy, etc. And... But but if you start with a if you start with Christ if you begin with Jesus if you're if if everything starts with who He is and what He taught and what He's about and and abiding in Christ and and uh, letting Christ abide in you if you start there, well then no now you can't have a world that's full of genocide and war and patriarchy and polygamy and and slavery right uh, because you're beginning with Christ and they're not the same thing unfortunately and that's why again. What I'm trying to do in the book, again, I'm not trying to tear down the Bible. I'm not saying Bible bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying there's a there's a way to read the Bible that leads you to a more Christ-like understanding, but it starts with Christ. And if we if we start there, then we can we're able to go to the Bible now and understand it in a way that reinforces who Jesus is and what he's about and what his message was, um, rather than something that sort of challenges him or waters him down it's kind of like the the, you if you look at so like my wife went to like a christian school right and so she would she could tell me like off the top of her head the the more legalistic families in the in the families that were actually promoting jesus and like a true faith in jesus and she says you know she's like oh yeah this family they were super legalistic and they were you know, suits every Sunday, all, all that jazz. But then all the kids, as soon as they graduated, left the Christian school. They went wayward. But then yep. all, the, but then all the kids that had parents maybe were a little bit more relaxed and like let their kids go and see movies. But they were saying, "No, Jesus is important, <laughs> and Jesus is the reason why we do what we do." Those were the kids that actually yep. stuck around, and now they they are they they continue to be a part of the the church and the, in the body of Christ. So if we if it's kind of goes back to that idea of, well, if the Bible is just a book of rules and it's a book, it's this morality book that you're supposed to follow. You can really head down the legalism path really easily 
and completely miss Jesus. Whereas opposed to if you just focus on Jesus, it's kind of hard to go down any other path but Jesus. Right, right. Oh, that's exactly right, man. Uh, And then the, 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 um, it also boils down, I think, to, and I'm sorry, I, I feel like I say this all the time, but I don't think I can say it enough. Like, there's, again, sort of two different ways to think of Christianity or to think of the gospel. And and I think for too long, I lived in and grew up in a, a, a world, a, a church, uh, a Christianity that kind of, even if it didn't maybe say it outright, it sort of really implied that the gospel was about information, having the right information about God. And if you if you knew the right information about God and you could fill in the blanks and you could check off the boxes in your theology, um, that that's what it meant to be a Christian. And the gospel was about having the right information yeah. about God. But but I've been convinced now more and more that, that that is not at all what it's about, that it's not about information. It's about transformation. And transformation comes not through information. It comes through a relationship, right? It's knowing Christ intimately having a relationship with him which again sure the bible can really help that but it isn't only um through the bible it's also through just spending time with him and listening to him and walking with him and being a disciple of him and you know just living your life in a way that's more um aware of the presence of god in your life and and that you know you are abiding in him uh that it's more about transformation and i think if that's your perspective I think that's more of what Jesus is about. That's what he had in mind, was a connection with him. Um, and that, again, it starts with him. So if we, if we do that, I think we're, we're going to be okay. Hmm. Yeah, we've been talking a moment here about kind of the dangers of not putting Jesus as the head of the church, but putting the Bible in its place. Fourth member of the Trinity, Jason. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Yeah, it, it again, it's so nuanced, but it's so it's so important. So like, oh, yeah. if I was gonna stand up in front of my church as a pastor, and I was gonna say, you know what, at our church we put, um, you know, we're we're not gonna put tradition on a pedestal. We're not gonna put experience on a pedestal. What we're gonna hold up in our church is the truth, and that is the Word of God. What's what's dangerous about that? Is there anything inherently dangerous about that? Well, uh, I think, again, going back to your example of, like, if I was sitting in a church and a pastor stood up and said that, um, I would know that what he meant by that was we're going to be biblical. Because in his mind, word of God is Bible. Yeah. But like you said, uh, if what he meant was say exactly what you just said, but say we're gonna what we're gonna do here is we're gonna hold up the person and the life and the teaching uh, and the example of Christ. We are gonna follow him. We're gonna listen to him. We're gonna put him first in all things. We are gonna be led by the Word of God, who is Christ. Then I would stand up and cheer. Yeah. <laughs> because I would say, yeah, okay, now you're talking. Uh, now you got it. But it, but I think so. Again, the danger is, I mean. The danger for me is that we could have a relationship with a book and not with the person the book is about. Yeah. You know, having having this great, like, man, we know this menu backwards and forwards, but we've never actually eaten any of the food that's pictured in the menu. Like, 
that's the danger is that it's again, it's intended to point us to a person like Jesus even said it with to the Pharisees. You know, he he says, and we're doing the same thing. Uh, this is what I'm concerned about. We're doing exactly what Jesus said to the uh, to the Pharisees. He says, you know, you study the scriptures because you think that in the scriptures you'll find life. What he's saying is there is no life in the scriptures. It's powerful. Yes. And what he says is you refuse to come to me and have life. So again, the scriptures are pointing you to life. But again, like a map, it's like, have I have a map to Las Vegas and I don't get in my car and drive to Las Vegas. I have not arrived at Las Vegas. I'm just looking at a map to Las Vegas. So Jesus is saying the scriptures are a map to me. And if you don't come to me, you'll never receive the, the, the life that's in me, that's in Christ. Um, and again, it's not like you, I'm not saying if you study the Bible, you won't connect to Christ. Of course, that's very possible. You could still have a great relationship with him. But, but again, I think what's happening is uh, from the pulpit, a lot of pastors are only emphasizing the teaching. They're only yeah. emphasizing the knowledge. They're only emphasizing the doctrine. And, that, and again, maybe some of them aren't, and God bless those who are emphasizing the relationship. But I have visited churches, and my parents go to churches like, you know, like this, and um, when I visit those churches, I only hear them speaking of these things as if they are the doctrines, the teaching, the information, and not the person and the relationship and the abiding uh, in him. Yeah, see, I think, Keith, like, I'd be... I, I think I, I tend to land more on like the optimistic side. So I'll be like, so I would break it down internally if I heard that said and I would say, okay, he's talking about the truth. He's talking about the word of God. We're going to put that first. So he means the gospel and the gospel is all about Jesus. And I, I would just kind of make those, those connections without thinking too hard about it. But what if somebody doesn't make those connections? Right. And then I think either you, I, I don't right. know, I don't remember if you wrote it in your book or if Brian Zahn wrote it in the foreword of your book, talking about how God didn't leave us with a manual. He left us with Emmanuel. Uh-huh. And the, yeah, even, I did. I said that. Yeah, even that's, that yeah, that's, that's <laughs> awesome, though. That even that that's statement. That's my line. It's mine. <laughs> well, even that statement. That's my line. That's my line. <laughs> <laughs> what does Tiger think about that? I haven't heard Tiger in a while. Don't squeeze him, Keith. I let him out. Oh, okay. I don't know if you try over there in the corner squeezing him, trying to get him to meow. Shut up. (laughs) No, I mean, that's, that's, again, it's just, it's one of those little details. And I think, I think like your, the message that you're getting across, at least to me, if we communicate those details and we, we simply replace Bible with Jesus, Mm-hmm. that it, it removes that confusion. No longer am I looking at the Bible like, okay, uh, all right, well, you're going through it. Like, okay, what job do I, what job do I take? Right. What should I accept this job? Should I accept that job? How is it going to affect me? I know I'll consult the Bible. Right. Well, no, I'll consult Jesus. <laughs> like, right. Oh, I'm, yeah, just, right. I'm just going to go right, right to the source, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. No, it's, it's the truth. You know, I was having lunch with a friend of mine uh, this this past week, and we were discussing uh, that exact kind of thing about, you know, the, 
if if um, if a book or a manual was so important, why is it that when God came in the flesh, I mean, all he had to do was go, guys, listen, here we go. I'm, I'm going to write this down for you. I'm going to make it really simple. Here it is, one, two, three. And, and here's this book of, of information. Because again, it isn't about information. Uh, the, the, our human nature, okay, we love patterns and yeah. we love formulas. Give me a formula. Give me a pattern. Because if I have that, I'll just, if I do A, then God does B, and then the result is C. Yeah, I'm uh, very much that way. Right, but God doesn't work that way. And I, I feel it. like God on purpose goes out of his way. Like if God did it this way yesterday, I promise you he will not do it this way tomorrow because he doesn't want a pattern. He he wants a relationship. He wants he wants me to come to him fresh every single day and say, okay, Lord, what are we doing today? Because then I'm having a conversation with him and yes. I'm listening to him and I'm being led by his spirit moment by moment, not, hey, God, I got it. I've got this book. I, I got the formula. I one, two, three, four, five, six. I got it. Okay, see you later. He doesn't want that. He's not interested in us following some sort of rigid rules and formulas. Although, man, we would rather do that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> But I he would. doesn't want that. And I feel like he's, he's constantly trying to get out of that box. Again, that's why I called the book Jesus Unbound. We have tried to bind Jesus in a book, and he refuses to stay there. Like, nope, I'm not in that book. Uh, this is what I did. Yes, these are some things I did 2,000 years ago. But don't be so fixated on what I did 2,000 years ago that you miss what I'm trying to do in your life right now. That's awesome. Yeah. I was, t I was telling Alex before this, I was like, I don't think I know anybody more passionate about liberating Jesus from the boxes that we've <laughs> constructed than Keith Giles. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of my pattern. I'll be, and I'll be honest, I'll just give you a, a sneak preview. My next two books are going to be uh, the same kind of idea. Of, like yeah. there's other things that we have that I feel like we have uh, bound Jesus up in, that I feel like I need to take out. Like, no, 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 these things are, and here's the thing, most of it's good. They're good things. It's it's just that we've made these other things the focus, yeah. right? We've allowed other things to eclipse Jesus, and we have to, like, constantly clear off the, you know, go in with the machete and clear off the brush and go, no, 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 move this out of the way. Let's get a clearer picture of Jesus. I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with shellfish because we're supposed to not read the Bible now. What? Where are you going? <laughs> what? I was trying to make a shellfish joke because we kept talking uh, about the Bible and there's a, is it in Deuteronomy? Something about shellfish. Oh, yeah. And not eating pork. Yeah, you're not supposed to eat those things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So wait, are, well, are we free can... to do that now? Uh, actually, yeah, I think we're free to do that. It doesn't, uh, there's even a place, I think, I remember which gospel it is. I suck at jokes. <laughs> I had no, no, there's, there's a place where, where Jesus, uh, it says he basically makes all foods clean. Um, well then, the, then, Paul, then Peter has that, that dream about the, the sheet coming down. Yeah. Which I think is the best. Oh yeah. The best. It's one of the best stories in the Bible. <laughs> it's just. Peter oh, having yeah. a dream where a sheet of food is lowered down to him. Does, well, it, does it not sound like Homer Simpson? It definitely doesn't sounds. It? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There's bacon. There's yeah, oh, bacon, yeah. and there's a cheeseburger. Yeah. And, no, Peter, oh, this is man. all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, but I, I use that example in, in the in Jesus Unbound as well as the example of. Um, something I hear all the time from people. Like when I say, when I suggest, 
that uh, we can hear the voice of Jesus. Like Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep can hear my voice. So, mm-hmm. okay, if you if you belong to Christ, then you can hear his voice. The same, We all can. We all can have a, a relationship and a connection with Jesus and we can hear his voice. Well, but then I'll always, always get this cautionary, but, but, but the spirit will never contradict what is written. And I get where, I get where that's coming from. But the, if we look at the New Testament, what we see is actually the opposite, that actually quite often the Spirit will contradict what's written. And this Paul, uh, the, that Peter example is a great example. What was written was, you shall not eat of these foods because oh, they are interesting. unclean. And yet the Spirit shows Peter this food and says, eat it three times. Uh, until That's why it took three times, because Peter kept saying, no, no, it's written not to do that. But he, but he can't deny that the Spirit is telling him to do something that contradicts what's written. Oh, wow. Um, it's even the same thing that, that happens with Jesus when, you know, he's healing on the Sabbath and he's doing all these things, which, again, is going against what's written. Yeah. And the Pharisees say, you must be doing this by the power of Satan. And then Jesus says what he calls, you know, I think, again, we've gotten this, we've gotten this misunderstood. Jesus then, this is the place where Jesus says that there's this unforgivable sin. But I think the unforgivable sin that he's pointing out is when you see something and experience something right now from the Holy Spirit, but because it contradicts what's written, you reject it. And that's the unforgivable sin. Hmm. Because they were they said, no, 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 it's written, you know, you don't break the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, well, look, if if you can't accept what's happening right in front of you, you see the power of God, you see the miracles I'm doing— uh, if you don't accept me for what I'm saying, at least accept me for the miracles, right? That these things are happening. Like if you're rejecting this because it goes against what's written, then, well, then, you know, there's no hope for you. So I think we see lots of times in scripture, actually, this pattern where quite often again, and, I, and why does the spirit sometimes contradict what's written? Because we like formulas and we want to say, oh, no, no. Uh, this is the way it's written here, so we're just going to depend on this. And and quite often, if we're very, if we hold on too tightly to that, we will miss and even reject what the Holy Spirit wants to do right now, today in my life. Um, and I, I was talking with a friend of mine. It's been a couple of months now. Uh, he was pointing out how the early church didn't have a Bible, right? Early Christians didn't have even copies of the, certainly not the Old Testament, because you know, scroll of Isaiah probably cost, you know, two years salary. Yeah. They didn't have like the letters of Paul folded up in their back pocket. Uh, so what did they have? So, you know, hundreds of years, right, before any Christian had anything close to what we would call a copy of the Bible. So how were they led? Well, by the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, exactly. And what I'm convinced of is that had they had a copy of the Bible in their lap, that when the Spirit said, send out Paul and Barnabas, or go here and plant a church, or go over here and do this ministry, somebody would have said, hold on, brother, hold on, let me look it up. Oh, I don't know. This doesn't, this doesn't, doesn't match what's written. And, and you know what I mean? It would have held them back. I think part of the reason why the early church exploded in growth, exploded in evangelism, you know, did accomplish so much for the kingdom, is because all they had was the Spirit. And, and, and if the Spirit said go, they said, okay. If the Spirit said, go over here, they said, well, we're going over here. They were completely being led by the Spirit, and they weren't being held back by what God did, you know, thousands of years ago or a hundred years ago. 
Uh, and I, but I think sometimes now that does hold us back. And I, I would like to see us trust the Holy Spirit a little more in our life uh, that, hey, maybe God wants to do something different today. It's 2018. Uh, maybe he wants to try something a little different. Are we, are we willing to go there with him, even if it stretches us a little bit? Yeah, that is that is so interesting. Like I always think like the church growth model. I think it's in Acts chapter 9 where it says the the church walked in the spirit and in the fear of the Lord and the Lord added to their number daily. I don't know if I'm misquoting that or not, but you're talking about being no, being spirit-led and that makes a lot of sense. And not only not only does things happen that aren't always in the text pastors preach stuff and teach stuff and advise people in ways that are not in the text. Right. And like, like one of them off the top of my head would be uh, a divorce in an abusive situation. And yes. I, I know like very legalistic churches, and I know some of them unfortunately still do exist where a wife could be getting beaten by her husband and they would say, well, God hates divorce. And that's, you know, you can't be, but I would feel like most pastors would out for the safety of the woman would recommend it, but right. it's not written anywhere. Well, can I say that's, thank you for saying that, Jason. Here's the, here's the insane thing. Exactly what you're saying, right? So pastors today using the, those scriptures, because it's written in the new Testament that Jesus said, you know, that he hates divorce and you should only divorce, um, for adultery, right? Yeah. Well, and they'll use that, like you said, to counsel a woman who's being either, either verbally, emotionally, or physically abused to stay in the marriage. Because why? Well, because he's not he's not committing adultery, yeah. so you have to stay. But under here's what we totally, totally miss: we're only following the words; we're not following the thought. Yeah. Here's here's what Jesus meant when he said this, because in that culture, of the of who he's talking to, the man had all the power. And the man could could divorce his wife for whatever reason he wanted to. The woman couldn't divorce the husband. Yeah. Legally, right? The man had all the power, and they were doing that. They were divorcing their wives at will to take younger wives and 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 discarding these women. You know that because they were old, they didn't want to, or they didn't like them anymore. They would just divorce them. And for many of these women, that was a death sentence. You were you basically you're gonna you're gonna be a, a beggar. Or you're gonna, if you're young enough, you're, you're gonna be a prostitute. Yeah. This is the only way you're gonna support yourself financially, and so, in other words, there was a system in place that was abusing women, and Jesus was saying to to these men in that system, you can't do that anymore. You're not allowed to just divorce women at will and to subjugate them and to and to force them into this poverty and prostitution, and and oppression. So that's the reason why he says you can you men can only divorce your wife if she commits adultery. But the the intention was to protect women from husbands who were oppressing them. It was never intended to be a verse that would be used to force women to stay in a marriage where they could continue to be oppressed. Oh, that's interesting. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. That just to me sounds like just bad Bible study in general. And well, that, I, like, you get a lot of that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Obviously, Keith, you have a greater like background context understanding, and like that's awesome. Like I never, I've never heard it taught that way. Yeah. Well, no, and that, I can't it's recall. kind of. I've heard a well, similar because, yeah. explanation. Keith's was a little bit more in depth. Yeah, yours was yours was better. <laughs> just right off, right off the top. 
but yeah, similar. But my my whole thing was is we are we teach. I mean, even if we don't always say it, I mean that would be more of a spirit led thing. That just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right for that woman to stay in that relationship while she's being abused. In fact, I don't right. think the spirit wants her to. But no. but we can't proof text it. Right. At least I, I at least I haven't found a good proof text anywhere. Well, and see again, this is the the of course the danger of proof texting because yes. all you're looking for is a sentence that yes. says a command or tells you what to do. And in that case, in this case, well, no, I can't point to a verse that says this. I can, however, like I just did, if I can explain it to you in context, what was what the intended result was. And again, that's more complicated. It takes more time. Uh, but if I can do that, then you can go, oh, I get it. Jesus doesn't want women to remain in situations where they're getting oppressed and abused, right? Okay, well, in that case, actually, in the spirit of what Jesus is saying, I could counsel a woman who is being verbally or emotionally or physically abused to get out of that. Because I could say, well, that isn't God. That's not what Jesus wants for you. That's not what God wants for you. Yeah. But but again, we're we're addicted to to like turning to chapter and verse, yes, yeah. and finding a verse that well the Bible clearly says, which is kind of silly because the Bible really clearly says almost nothing clearly. <laughs> there's, there's, that's why there's like thousands of denominations because we can't all we're all reading the oh, same yeah. Bible, but none of us can agree on what it actually clearly says. Oh, Keith, I remember this apologetics guy came into our church one time and he had written this book proving that there are no contradictions in the Bible. Wow. And it was, <laughs> Keith, it was gigantic. And then he had to expand it to two volumes. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, yeah, you end up having to, like, explain away so much stuff. Yeah. And then I was yeah. thinking about your, your book, even as an evangelistic tool, and that I know I was, I grew up in a very legalistic environment. So that's, that's who I was. And yeah. I remember trying to trying to share the gospel with people, but I had such a crude, awful definition of the gospel. There was almost no Jesus. It was, I wanted people to live biblically, Keith. That's what I, that's what I really look at, looking back on it now. So, right. well, I mean, what I wanted people to do, I wanted them to get saved. I wanted them to have the same miserable relationship with Jesus <laughs> that I had. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's, that's, you know, that's how you be a good Christian and um, just wanting to communicate with people, Jesus, and I was so hung up on the Bible that all of our, and especially some of my atheist friends who are thinkers, and they, it's, it's not like they're an atheist just because they want to be lazy or they hate God or something else. They, they've really thought it through, and those people yeah. would just destroy me so hardcore yeah. Uh, yeah. because they had thought it through. And instead of having conversations about Jesus, we would just have really nonsensical conversations uh, about the Bible. Right. Uh, proof texting, or there's contradiction here, or it's rabbit hole here. And we just, I, nothing fruitful ever came out of any of those conversations we're now looking back at them. What I really wanted to do was I really wanted that person to have a relationship with Jesus. But yes. because I didn't approach them first with Jesus, I approached mm -hmm. them first with what you really need is the Bible. Right. And I said, okay, well, let's pick that thing apart. And we did. 
We did and over done. and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You have something to add, Alex? You would look like you're about to chime no, in. No, I was I was kind of just thinking of this question. Just the reason why I'm thinking of it because it has a story attached to it. So bear Ooh, with me. It's a two-parter. So do we need the Bible then to share the gospel with people? Uh, that is a great question. I, and I think going to Jason's point, maybe that's a mistake. Like I, I to just to lead with the Bible. Because, yes, yep, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think we give people Jesus. Uh, here's the funny thing. Most people are so interested in Jesus. You know, I did a series of meetings out here, like, I guess about three or four years ago. Uh, I set up these meetup groups on meetup.com called Jesus Without Religion or Politics uh, for non-Christians who are interested in Jesus. Yeah. They want Jesus, but they don't want, they don't want um, church. They don't want doctrine. They don't want you know, politics. They don't want all this other garbage. They just like, can we just sit and talk about Jesus? And like, what did he teach? And what was he like? And what was he about? People are interested in that. And I think if we led with Jesus and introduce them to Jesus, and I don't know, maybe trust the Holy Spirit to deal with the, the other stuff in their life, that's so much better. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves and honest with, with non Christians, as well as with other Christians, uh, that the Bible, it, it isn't a perfect book. I'm sorry, it's not inerrant or infallible. The only thing, Brian Zahn says this, the only thing that the, the Bible does inerrantly and infallibly is point us to Christ. And he's inerrant, and he's infallible. Yeah. But uh, we wrote the Bible, right? We wrote this book. And so, uh, yes, it's sort of, the book isn't one book. It's 66 books by, written by a variety of people who all did their best to tell you what their experience of God was, but because of that, sometimes um, one person will contradict what another person's idea of God. And, and I point these out in my book, In Jesus Unbound, but again, not to tear down the Bible, but just to be honest and say, yes, this is a conversation. You know what? Actually, most, uh, most Jewish be- uh, believers have no problem with this concept. They, they see their own Hebrew Bible. They see it as a conversation. They recognize that Moses has one perspective, and uh, and Isaiah has a, a different perspective, and then David has another perspective, and Jeremiah has another perspective, and Daniel has a different perspective, and it's okay. And you value all of the perspectives without trying to say, well, who's right yeah, or who's wrong? To say, well, no, um, again, this, this leads us to this other thing, that we, I think, need to go back to this idea of being okay with mystery, being okay with not knowing everything. Yeah. To, to say something about God and say, I don't know. Here's what I think. I could be wrong, but not feel like we have got God figured out and we have got the whole thing figured out. Like, you know, there are there's this thing Paul calls the great mystery. And I think that's actually really beautiful to embrace this idea of mystery and say, this is my experience of God. And then I'm going to listen to yours but without any need to basically nail down the right and wrong thing. You know, I think we're addicted to who's right and who's wrong instead of just listening to everybody's perspectives and saying, well, what can I learn from that? What can I add? How does that enrich me? Or how does that add to my understanding of who God is and what God is like? Yeah. Um, Like if I could go back to those conversations, Keith, and I could like my personality, especially back then, I wouldn't, if somebody were to attack the Bible, I would not have been able to brush it off. Where if I could have just brushed it off for a moment, even if I still held my convictions 
if I would just say, yeah, that's a funny spot in scripture, but let's go back, <laughs> let's go back to Jesus. You know, even if yes. I could have done that, I could have, I probably could have made some headway. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. not that I didn't learn some valuable lessons and grow and eventually maybe those conversations weren't for the other people as much as they were for me <laughs> and right. figuring out who Jesus really was. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, the other thing that I see, it's a huge mistake and I know they don't, I know we don't, Christians don't intend it to be, to have this result, but it unfortunately has a, an unintended consequence that I think is really negative and destructive and self-defeating. But I mean, if you've heard a lot of Christians say the hold up the Bible, a lot of pastors hold up the Bible and say, this is the word of God. Every word of it is true. Not a single word of it is wrong. And if if it's wrong in one part, the whole thing is wrong. Uh, and I've heard pastors say exactly that. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Setting yourself up for failure. <laughs> right. So all I all all an atheist needs to do is convince some little some baby Christian. Yep. Like you said, point out one place in the Bible where there's clearly a, a, a contradiction, or there's clearly a mistake, and you're done because. Yep. Your pastor has told you that if it's wrong in one point, in one part, the entire thing should be thrown in the garbage. Well, thanks a lot, pastor. <laughs> now, now I got a bunch of Christians who believed what you said, and because I demonstrated one mistake, therefore the whole thing is wrong. Yeah, and what's worse, it could be just a minor, inconsequential. Yeah. I mean, just just a minor detail, and that's their world starts to unravel. Oh yeah, like how many mighty men did did David have, or how many chariots did he have? Right. Well, it depends on which book you read. <laughs> Yeah, and then and again, and at the end of the day, who really cares? Like that isn't exactly. Important. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, just let's be honest and just say, yep, uh, that's like you said, that's kind of a goofy part, or well, I don't know, um, that's weird. You're right. There's a there's a strange part there, um, but I think going again. But let's go back to Jesus. Yeah, you know, that's where we should major on. As oh. No, I was just going to say the reason why I, I asked that question in the first place, and then we kind of got on a little oh, rabbit trail. Sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. You no, no, story. you guys are fine. No, no, no. You guys talk. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just sit over here in my basement with my electricity powering everything. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, as, as you guys are talking, and then I asked that question, I was honestly contemplating all the times I had ever shared the gospel with people. And the most authentic times that I've done it has never been with a Bible in my hand. Right. The, oh, that's that, interesting. That is, I agree too. The most authentic times have just been me just talking to people and sharing my story of how Je I was this way yeah. after I met Jesus, completely different. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing, man. No one can argue with that. I, no. I used to do apologetics when I was in college. I was so into apologetics. Oh, yeah, me too. And um, yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, and, and it, it took me a couple of years, but I finally figured out I never argued anybody into the kingdom. Nope, you can't. Uh, and, then, and then what I realized is what you're saying, exactly what you're saying. The only apologetic that counts is the apologetic of my life. If I can't sit across from another human being and say, uh, this is what Jesus has done in my life. This is how the difference that Jesus has made in my life. Uh, if I can't do that, then none of this other stuff matters. It's, it's just like, it's just like a waste of time, but exactly what you said, man, the most, the most impactful conversations I've had with, with, uh, with unbelievers has been just telling them 
this is a miracle. Like when God healed my father's, you know, my, my father uh, fell off the house and cracked three of his vertebrae and he was going to be paralyzed for life. And we prayed for him and Jesus healed him. Boom, that happened. I you know who can argue with that, yeah. right? Uh, my dad's alive today. Go ask him if you don't believe me. Like, <laughs> or, or the time I was out of work for a year and a half and God miraculously provided daily bread for my family. Like I can tell that story to anybody in any context because it happened to me. It was, it's a real honest thing that God for a year and a half gave my family daily bread and paid our bills and put food on the table for a year and a half. And I have amazing testimonies of the, the, the incredible ways God did that. That is so much more powerful than going into the proofs for dinosaurs or the, the age <laughs> of the earth or, you know, who cares? That's like, that's like so dumb. Yeah. Except to paleontologists, they probably want to know. <laughs> Right, unless I'm unless I'm talking to a yeah my geography professor or something <laughs> or geology yeah. Jason, what what else do you got for for Keith? Because we're we're coming up on an hour, Keith, and that's yeah, usually yeah. how long we want to keep the the interviews. No, I don't want to. I, I mean, obviously, I don't want to circle back over everything that we've we've just said, but I kind of do at the same time in case somebody hasn't gotten it by this point. Keith, like you start off in your book going over the word of God and defining what the word of God is. And maybe if nothing that we've said in this interview so far that has had an impact or made somebody think, I think maybe the verse that you mentioned the most that really got me thinking, because, you know, I honestly, I picked up your book and be like, ah, Keith's kind of crazy. He's stirring the pot. (laughs) And then I start reading your book and I come across Hebrews chapter four, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And and I have read that verse a million times, and the word of God in that verse has always been the Bible. Uh-huh. The, the Bible uh, yep. is living and active. The Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. And yep. your book very bluntly says, nope, that's Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, because if you keep reading, it yeah. switches to he. I know. Right? I just Suddenly. did that for Alex right before this interview. I was like, dang it. It's even. It's not even in context to say th- you can't even accidentally put the Bible in the place there. Because, <laughs> I mean, the very, I mean, verse 13, and no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to his eyes. And verse 14, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. I mean, the writer of Hebrews, he's not hiding anything. He's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus Mm -hmm. is living and active. Jesus is sharper than any two-edged sword. And that is, that, that's what turned your book on the head on. What's that phrase? Dang it. On its head. Turned it on its head. Yeah. yeah, that's that's cool. That was a turning point for me, and it's right off the top of your book, and I'm excited. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited Thank to look. Minute. I'm excited to look at stuff through fresh eyes. Now, every time I swear that I hear the word of God, where somebody's mentioning it with the Bible, I'm going to replace it with Jesus. <laughs> I think that's great, and I, you know what, man, I'm glad you're doing that. And I, I tell you what, if everybody listening to this podcast would simply do that. I think it would be an amazing experiment. Like just go through it like the next week or the next couple of weeks of your life. And anytime someone says word of God, 
they're going to mean it usually in the context of the Bible. Yeah. Switch and in your mind, make it about Jesus yep. and just notice the notice the change because one is about life, and one is about just sort of like rules. Yeah. Uh, or you know, and it's so much more, so much more, so much better to come to Christ. And, you know, Jesus said, "Come to me and have life." There's there's life in Christ, and uh, and that's again what it's all about. That's that's the, all the writers of Scripture want you to know that, want you to know him and have a relationship with him. Uh, and again, that's what I'm trying to to point out in the book and, and just for I want people to see Jesus for who he is. I think we have such a small view of Jesus. Yeah. Um, for all the for all the people trying to say that, oh Keith, you have such a low view of scripture, I want to say, man, I feel like some people have such a low view of Jesus. Like you need a higher view of Christ. Mm. Uh, and I and the that's amazing awesome. thing is I think I think if you had a higher view of Christ, you'd have an even greater appreciation for the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're you're 100 percent correct. Yep. One is about yeah. a savior, and the other one is about imitation leather covers. Well, well <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm just curious, Keith. What does Tiger think about your new book? Oh my god! <laughs> Do you love his cat? You've never met the I cat. I like cats. I tell you what, man. If you would if you would come get him, you can have him because I I got to move him with me to Idaho oh, in man. a couple weeks and. A fifteen-hour drive in the car with a cat—it's going to be really exciting. You put a—you put them in a little crate and you put a towel yep. over them. Yep, and uh, we're going to get some tranquilizers and hopefully just knock him out. He'll just wake up when he gets. <laughs> you heard it here first. Keith Giles <laughs> endorses animal tranquilizers. Yes. Yeah, and Jesus—he also endorses Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Keith, and Jesus. Uh, where can people find your book? Where can people find you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well. My blog is just uh, my name, KeithGiles.com. It's over at Papios. Uh, I also uh, co-host a podcast called The Heretic Happy Hour with uh, two other guys. And um, and then my book is on Amazon. Uh, it's also on iTunes and a bunch of other places, BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, but you can uh, just look it up, Jesus Unbound, um, Liberating the Word of God from the Bible. Uh, again, it's on ebook and uh, in print, and hopefully the audio book will be out soon. Uh, oh yes do that please oh yeah awesome uh gosh i just had a brain fart well keith thank you so much (laughs) thank you guys so much Uh, thanks jason for saving me yeah uh yeah i can't i can't recommend people to go buy the book it's it's life-changing you can't you can't recommend they go buy the book i can't recommend people enough Oh, oh, okay. I already sold a book today, Keith. <laughs> All right, that's true. You're on a roll, man. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, guys. And I love your podcast. I love being uh, just talking to you guys. And uh, you guys do great, great stuff. I, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for teaching us. All right, man. Love you guys. Giles. Wow, Alex. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Just make fun of me. No, 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 no. Let's pick on Alex Knight. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
It's fine. We'll just use his electricity and all of his lights and his computer. It's fine. <laughs> if you no, guys... It's want, fine. Mark. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. Are we good? Well, I, 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 you know what? Any of our super fans out there, I would love for you to go through all of our episodes and see how many times after the interview i i was just like wow wow wow, wow. jason just processing <laughs> wow especially early on <laughs> every last interview wow 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 eh <laughs> no keith amazing guy go let's i want everybody to do a favor for yourself and for keith mm-hmm. right now go on amazon buy his book and then leave him a review Absolutely. Because nothing helps get his book out there more than that. And I think his book's doing really well. If his book sells a million copies, Keith, it's probably because of this yeah, podcast. And I want you to send me some potatoes from Idaho. Yeah. I'll give you my address. Well, I mean, <laughs> we are well on our way to selling Keith a million copies. You want to know why? Why? Because our podcast just hit 40,000 plays. That's almost a million. Yeah, my, my my math, yeah. <laughs> Pastor's numbers. It's like 40,000, 41,000, a million. Like, it's just right there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Seriously, though, 40,000 plays? That is impressive. Would you have thought that when we first started this thing two years ago that we would get to that point? No. Me either. Because... We don't have any credentials. <laughs> there's, there's nothing like people have books. People have, you know, they do lectures. People have, you know, TED talks, TED talk. Yeah. Richard Jacobson. Richard Jacobson doing a freaking TED talk. He's been on our podcast. Episodes eight and nine. Yeah. Seven and eight. Unchurching. Go yeah. listen to him. Mm-hmm. Great guy. Met him in person. Lovely guy. <laughs> Great friend. Um, yeah. 40,000, man. 40,000. I feel like we need to celebrate. Oh, the beers are already yeah. here. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> that was a terrible clink. <laughs> well, they're aluminum cans, Jason. Yeah, aluminum cans don't clink very good. Anyways, yeah, dude. 40,000. I can't believe it. I on it. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't know what to think. I'm just, I'm just processing. I'm just... Oh, it's late. If you, somebody you, needs to make a meme of my face and it just says, yeah. I'm processing, <laughs> I'll make it tonight. Oh, man. Uh, some shout outs, Alex. Yeah. I want to say hi to a handful of people real quick because they're awesome. Yeah. And they interact with us frequently on our podcast. Uh, so that one time I was abducted by aliens. It's still my favorite podcast. I listen to almost every single one. <laughs> they they did these couple of episodes about the Skinwalker Ranch. Have you ever oh, heard of I Skin? think I've heard of that. Is that where it's like they got people following, like skin changers? or is that Skin what changers, is? UFOs, aliens, ghosts, demons, weird animals, cow mutilations. Like I mean... And I guess the government has gone and, like, researched this place on two different occasions, and they don't know, like, scientifically, they don't know what the heck's going on. But I told I told Jamie and Bree at that one time I was interviewed by aliens exactly what's going on. I said it's the ghost of a five-year-old boy playing with a Ouija board. <laughs> That's what everything sounds like. It's the Nephilim. Like, dear Ouija board. 
can I see a UFO? Here you go. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing. Oh, okay. Anyway, covert nerd. Great guy. Lots of interaction. He shares all of our stuff, which is awesome. Thank you, covert yeah. nerd. Rocky Glenn, he was happy to have us back. Thanks, Rocky. Yeah. Phil Britton, who I met up north. Thanks for listening. <laughs> what more can you say about a man from Marquette? It's cold up there, eh? <laughs> he gave us all kinds of insight, which if you're going to go to Marquette, you want to go late August, early September. The water has finally warmed up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Superior Lake. Uh, She's the deepest. Yeah. And the most beautiful. I don't. I haven't seen all the others to compare. But picture rocks hike, dude. That was the. That was probably the time that. That's I saw Lake them. Superior. Yes, it's all along the the coast of Lake Superior. Yeah. And we went early, early to mid September is when we went. And did yeah. The hike. He says don't Beautiful. come. He's like don't come up in May or June. It's not ready it's yet. It's still frozen. It's still frozen, and the, he said the bugs are out of control, like mosquitoes and like the the flies that bite. What are those called? Horse flies. Horse flies, yeah. Um, no, that's when we went hiking pictured rocks. Was right, like right this time now, like seven, eight years ago when I, when I did, did the hike. Beautiful. Yeah, so for all of our listeners, go. Just go. Yeah, buy Keith's book. Go to Marquette. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, thank Andy, Andy Laura for talking hockey. Nice. What yeah. did he talk about? Did he talk about Hendrick? Uh, I was, I was, I got a little theological and I was explaining how, um, um, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere, but Satan is only one place at a time. And Satan is currently in the Ottawa Senators locker room because of all the trades and injuries they're going through early on the season. Something crazy, man. And so him and I were going back and forth talking about that. He's in Anaheim. He's a big Ducks fan. Yeah, I, I was too. Uh, what else, Jason? And Carrie Jellick, our Patreon. Patreon. Our Patreon supporter, our deaconess. Yes. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you for your financial support, which, if you want to see this podcast really take off. Oh, yeah. Um, we're talking 41,000 plays. Give us your money, please. So I can buy some sinus medicine for my sinus yeah, headache. We need a new laptop, something fierce. This It you know, worked fine for the interview, Jason. Don't dog it too much. Old reliable. What's That's your laptop's name? Uh, I call it Shadowfax. Shadowfax? The, uh, the, the Gandalf's Gandalf horse? horse. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that I own that's white, it's just like, this is Shadowfax. My white Subaru that's from 1999? Yeah, that's Shadowfax. My, all my white guitars, I have three of them. See, I always name everything like the color it is. Like my my Les Paul Gold Top, 1956 reissue. Its name was Goldie. <laughs> I had a red guitar that I named Rosie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I had, uh, keeping with the theme, or not so much, I had a Jeep Grand Wagoneer. You night, had a Wagoneer? Night, you didn't know this? When did it was probably the highlight of my life? I took all my high school graduation money and I bought a 1989 Jeep Grand Wagoneer, uh, blue with the wood paneling on the sides. You son of a bitch! Amazing vehicle that only got six miles to the gallon. Who gives a rip? 
I did because gas got expensive. Oh yeah, that was but that was right my dream car, and someday I will own another one. Yeah. But my Jeep's name was Morningwood. <laughs> that car, I saw one when I was up in Marquette. Did you hear about the one time I went to Marquette, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the only trip I've ever taken, Alex, to Marquette. Well, yeah. I've never gone anywhere else. So, for the city that was named Hockeyville, USA, 2016, yep. what is some parting advice we could give to the city of Marquette, Alex? <laughs> no, I want to do a better one than that. Okay, t- one-up me. Since it's your basement and your electronics, one-up me, Alex. So Hendrix Zetterberg has been the captain. Oh, you did one on me. This is a good one. For a few years now. Yeah. And he's leaving. And for a good reason. 15, he, 15 years as a Red Wing? I remember w- seeing him as a wee lad. Yeah. Him and him and Datsuk playing together. He look, they looked like kids back they did. then. The Euro twins. Oh, man. But he can't play anymore. He's just medically not fit to play. No, his back. His back is gone. Doctors what do you, can't fix it. What do you want to say? to the captain from Sweden who led our team bravely, wisely. Not to any Stanley Cup victories, though. But okay. He did. I mean, uh, technically Lidstrom was the captain when the Wings won the Cup in 08, but Zetterberg got the Conn Smythe. Oh, yeah, he did. I remember the details. Yeah, led the team in points. What do you want to say to Hendrik Zetterberg as he retires and moves on to greener pastures. Two things. One, thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Henry. Here. Thanks, Hank. Let's clink let's clink to that. Clink. That was awful. <laughs> we mean the best, Hank. And second, keep your stick on the ice.